0: Welcome to the Catholic Center. Welcome to the Catholic Center.
1: Welcome to the Catholic
0: Center. Welcome to the Catholic Center. love never changes, but it changes things. It changes things.
1: Being fed lately has been slowing down like exactly what I said like I have to slow down because I function at such a fast pace and I've always felt like hurried in life and felt like I'm falling behind in everything and when I take specific time like this semester I'm focusing on taking a Sabbath and like actually making Sunday a Sabbath and resting because that's when I can truly enter in and truly hear like the voice of the Lord and I can't I can't enter into like his presence when I'm have an agenda and I'm like running. Um, and so lately being filled up has been my adoration shifts and like knowing, okay, at this time I'm going to be at the church and I have people holding me accountable to those times too. So I'm actually going in and I'm stopping my day to pray for an hour. And I don't want to keep my prayer limited, you know, to like these certain blocks of time, but they definitely help train me into like living life at a rhythm like not like straight fast but like ups and downs and like walking with the Lord through it all and letting my heart be still so that when I am like running like I'm still like in tune with the Lord and still steady and not panicked (laughs) Um, because I mean the reality of my life and my schedule is that it is so fast and I am doing so much um, because I like doing a lot I mean Father Fred called me out about that the other day he was like you love the craziness like you love going fast and it's true it's true but I if I'm not careful, then I lose myself in it, and that's just something that I have to stay on top of. And I have you know faithful friends that are holding me accountable to it, to making sure that I'm not like losing my peace in the process. So it's all growth. I don't know. It's good.
0: It's all balance. Yeah. 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 I found that I need to have certain things in line in my own life, um, and that is food, that is exercise, that's prayer, that's family that's friends, that is, uh, I talk to a counselor once a month, Uh, I go and I have community with Father Fred and Colin especially, Um, and um, I don't know what else, there's probably, and I get together with my priest friends once a month, and I also talk to a priest friend every other day on the phone, Mm. Uh, and these things, so this is fascinating, these are the things that are in my life, so that, I can do the rest of my life. So like that's my support system. It's a very large support system. It's multifaceted. It hits the psychological, the human, the spiritual, the social, uh, the physical, the intellectual even, and the financial is a part of that. And then it allows me to serve. It allows me to do 8 to 12 hours every day of ministry or or Hmm. however much that is um, and do to do it well and to be able to show up well and to be able to be present to folks. And uh, it doesn't mean that every day I'm present to folks. It doesn't mean that every day I'm not stressed or whatever, but it's like, gosh, without that, I wouldn't even be able to do any of this, right? It's almost like part of the Christian life, at least in my experience is being able to figure out a way, uh, to order all of these things and prioritize all of these things uh, and oftentimes it's choosing between good things, right? So like you're choosing between many good things. It's like, gosh, there's so many opportunities or there's so many things that are at our disposal that are good. And I want to do all of them. Well, actually, like, unless you figure out a way of like what you need to to stand up, then um, it can all get off balance. It can all get kind of overextended or thrown off. And I found at least in my own life is there's a uh, it's kind of an art. It's an art to live in. Hmm. And being able to okay. show up to people and encounter God in the moment or in the present moment uh, is the fruit of that. It's the fruit of the labor. But actually, I was I was thinking about this recently, and I was talking about it recently, that the reason why, at least for me in my own life, that I've kind of come to this place with having so much, I would say, order in the disorder right? I would say the, the, the uh, structure or the support in the chaos, the reason why I have all that is because I have admitted failure at one point. Hmm. Where like I have admitted that, okay, I need a savior or okay, I can't do this all myself uh, because if I do do it by myself, then I'm overemphasizing this or I'm uh, leaning on this or this is off balance or I'm not, I don't know how to do this well. And so actually it, for me, at least in my own life, it came down to a point where I had to admit failure because there was no other option. I said, I failed. And that for me was the perfect place to be saved mm. and to be rescued in that. And then it, in a sense, it's like life has rebooted from that point and, uh, it has flourished into a structure of support, a multifaceted way of, of being fed and, uh, yeah, it's very healthy at least.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, I think that the most powerful or the most, I think, densely packed growth that I've experienced in my life was when I like was not standing on my own two feet. Um, like just when life happens and like. I realized I think my first like true growth in my relationship with Jesus and like truly encountering him as somebody, somebody that I can trust and somebody that I can, you know, rely on was when I found myself leaning on him when it was like, literally, I cannot <laughs> get through today. I don't know how to dan- handle this situation or um, talk to this person and like actually leaning and like the lesson of, like that dependency creates so much intimacy Um, Hmm. over the last, like actually like 24 hours. And these aren't my own thoughts. I'm kind of taking this from ideas that I've heard that like really impacted me like yesterday Um, is just this concept of meekness and like meekness is so often interpreted as like being weak or being somebody that can be just trampled over. Um, But truly, I mean, Jesus Christ says I am meek and humble of heart. And you know, Jesus isn't isn't weak. He isn't somebody that you can just push over. Um, and the great confidence that comes with knowing who you are and knowing whose you are and how you can lean on Christ and how there's enough to go around. And that building up of your identity and not having anything to prove comes across like I was talking to somebody about this yesterday. Like Entering into conversation with somebody who's so confident in who they are to the point where they have nothing to prove is so powerful. And that meekness is beautiful. And it comes from this deep dependency and deep leaning on the Lord. And it's powerful. It's powerful. And then, like, that peace transcends everything. And it's, like, leaning and, like, knowing, like, back to those moments, like, that dependency creates intimacy. So, like, this relationship with Christ that we want to enter into leads us to like having a deeper understanding of who we are and it creates peace so like going through life like at the crazy like high speed making sure that i have times to stop and like slow down um to like reaffirm in my own mind and like enter into the presence of the lord and who reminds me like who i am and how like nothing is in my control and i don't have to grasp um it's powerful it's a lot there's a lot there um but meekness is something that I think comes from.
0: How would you define dependency? meekness? What is meekness?
1: Meekness would be, um, well, that's like the question. Like weakness, I think, is what people typically associate with meekness. That, like, like a lamb, like something that's like easily trampled over, mm. um, something that can not really stand for itself. Um, but I think that meekness is strength. Like, it's deep strength and knowledge in your identity as a child of God. And so, in that sense, you don't have anything to prove. So, being meek is, like, entering into life without, like, fighting or running or, like, feeling like you have to prove something. Like, I was thinking about how, you know, when I go to, um, like, I trained dancing my whole life. And now when I go to any sort of, like, you know line dance sort of like we had a line dance thing here at the cc the other day um but just like knowing that like i know how to dance like i've been dancing my whole life and there's kind of a confidence that comes with that and like knowing that like i don't have to go in there and like (laughs) try really hard or be worried about that like entering into a situation where i'm comfortable um i think this is the same thing with life like when you're meek you enter into life and you see that you are already known and you are already loved and that you are already made in the image and so there's nothing that you have to prove and so there's peace that comes with that um just walking forward and like in the world it's so opposite because everyone's running and everyone's rushing and everyone's working so hard um and if you are meek people think that you're just like like unengaged um but truly entering into conversation with somebody who is meek it's powerful It's deep. So
0: I love the image of a parent with a child, say two parents with a child, their child and their child is young uh, and their child is beginning to want what other people have and perhaps want to dress how other people dress. And there's like a a normalcy in that is fine. But then uh, having like a parent show in a sense a mirror to the child. So that the child like knows what they look like and who they are, as opposed to the child having to depend or uh, define themselves, how everyone Mm. else is doing things or to be like everyone. It's always like we're looking elsewhere at other people, as opposed to like looking at ourselves and who God created us to be and like having the parents delight in that and wanting our parent, wanting the child to see themselves how their parents see them. Right. Yeah. It's kind of, it's, it's how God sees us. God doesn't say, well, you need to be like this person or you need to be like this group of people. It's like God reveals to us who we ourselves are. Mm. Um, meanwhile, we're over here trying to look like other people and act like other people and do the things that other people are doing and live our best life like they're living their best life. Um, meanwhile, like uh, the the meekness is the way. I re- I heard a reflection one time. This is, it was really powerful it was on priesthood, but it could be analogous with relationships or the Christian life. It was, are you, the reflection was, are you weak enough to be a priest? Hmm. Are you wow. weak enough? Are you willing to admit that you are incapable of doing this? Are you willing to admit that no matter how hard you try, you will not be good on your own or with your own strength? It doesn't discount our gifts. It doesn't discount like what we've been given it, it it basically says like, are you ready to not use your own strength? Because for me, ex- I'll wake up in the morning and I'll try to surrender my day to Christ. And then I'll go about my day trying to control my entire day, right? <laughs> Which is the exact opposite. Yeah. But like my tendency is to control or my tendency is to, uh, to have something be uniform or uh, have something to be how I want it to be. But uh, even though I'm praying to surrender, but like I'm very con- conscious of this. Um, but I think that the answer is, yeah, I need to be saved every single day. I need to be saved for myself. I need to be saved from the world. I need a savior every single day. And, uh, other people help me with this. So the people in my life, um, many of the students, yourself, save me and bring me to, um, the reality of Christ, the reality of grace, the reality of love, uh, and so it pulls me out of myself, it pulls me out of my tendency to do specific things like control or to have one way of doing things and have to stick to that way of doing things or to um, make room for other things. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's something that I personally benefit from in community. So that's the beauty of community is community life, like where God is saving us through each other. Mm. God is using each other to save one another. God uses us as church to save the world, uh, to be the light of the world, to be a provocative, beautiful presence in the world, but very much so uh, within the community is that God uses each other. God uses us uh, to save each other on a day-to-day basis.
1: Yeah, I think it's powerful. I think that like giving somebody the gift of their identity is a really powerful interaction um and I think that that like I found that through just like verbal affirmation and just like walking through walking through life with each other and being like you don't have to have it all figured out like it's okay there's enough to go around um and you are a beloved child of God and like it's okay and recentering on that is so important and receiving that and giving it both ways there's so much grace that comes from that from that interaction. It's sacred.
0: So I have to do this on a practical level Hmm. because I'll start to think, cause I'm in conversations of, of development of the Catholic center of fundraising, of, of creating a system of benefactors and, and, um, what would you call it? Like benefactor relationships and making sure that Uh, people are, that I'm in relationship with all peoples and and all kinds of folks, all kinds of communities, and uh, always be in touch, communications, public relations, all this stuff. So for me, it's like, it's kind of an institutional thing. But I'll start to think, I was like, gosh, like, how am I going to do this in one year from now? Hmm. Or in two years from now? Or in three years from now? And I'll go about my day as I'm talking to somebody else, thinking and having the worry about how I'm gonna do this three years from now, which is absurd. Like yeah. that's an absurd thought. Wow. To be able to even imagine, you know, where I'll be next week or in, in a month from now, let alone what the situation will be three, three, three years from now, and even I I will even see the graces of things being taken care of, I'll, like in the moment. So like I'll be I'll be having this like f- crazy future trip three years into my head and then somebody will sit down in my office and say, Hey, could I help you with this project that uh, you're working on? Or could I help you with like do this or, and I'm like, man, like God's actually actively like helping me like not and telling Mm. me to not worry about these things because People are showing up in my office. People are inviting me to their home. And it's like, gosh, like this is actually taking care of itself. I'm trying to do this all myself. I'm trying to actively like, uh, control it or at least I'm only trusting myself rather than God. It's like I'm putting all my trust in myself and all of the worry that comes from that uh, on a day-to-day basis instead of actually like trusting that I don't know how the heck I'm going to do this, (laughs) but, and you know, maybe will happen, right? Let God's will be done rather than my own will.
1: I think that that's one of the most like resounding messages of the Lord, at least that I've heard within the last couple of weeks, like everything that I stress out about, like after the fact, after whatever I was stressed out about happens, it's always like, why did you ever worry? Like, why did you ever have anxiety about this? Like, don't you trust that it's all in my hands that I'm always actively working for your good. Like it's so easy to forget there's, there's that constant reach and that constant help. Um, and it's so, it's just so easy to forget. And I struggle with that so much. I mean, from everything, I think particularly with seeking water, um, you know, I always am just very much a, Like I think a like combination of stress and worry and wanting people to, Somehow thinking that like I can control the interactions that people have with God when they walk into that room. I think that that's like the biggest (laughs) the biggest lie that I tend to believe, thinking that, you know, how this event is executed is going to affect how people see Christ. And that's absolutely absurd. Right. Um, And I think that yet, even though that's absolutely absurd, that's still something that I feel the weight of. Um, and every single time it's beautiful because the Lord always returns it and is like, why did you ever worry? Why did you ever think that I had control? Like nothing is in my hands. Um, and whenever you start believing the lie that like, I'm responsible really for anything, um, that I'm not, that I'm walking alone. Like when you believe that lie that you're walking alone, that you have to figure this out, it's a beautiful lesson. Cause every single time it's like, no, you were never alone. You were never Responsible for my connection with this person like you're never responsible for that and it's it's powerful like you can always work for the good of it um And That's the best you can do and just like pray that the lord uses the skills and the resources you have and that's it um
0: So I, I have that w- as a preacher as someone who gets up And has to speak a word of the scriptures to a large community mm-hmm. is that I have to be detached from uh, thinking about it in successful terms. Oh, yeah. Because it's this exact same thing. It's like when you start to define it in success terms, then you are trying to control the encounter between the person and God. Right? Yeah, I have a responsibility to do things and to study and to reflect and so forth. Um, But at the same time, it's like I, I can't, at the end of the day, I can't like analyze that and say, was that good? Was that successful? Um, Could I have done better? It's like, these are the wrong questions. Hmm. It's like, I just have to simply, I have to just pray uh, that uh, something happens in the hearts of the people. That the spirit takes over. That's a prayer that I have is is, uh, spirit, will you, um, we pray for the hearts of these people that the spirit may come into it by any of these words that I just throw out to the community (laughs) randomly. About uh, who knows what. Um, but the goal is not, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, the goal, I think a big goal really is to detach from that uh, thinking of success or control of of how, it, how it's going and controlling the relationship with uh, how things go with God. Yeah. And trusting, again.
1: And I think that the idea of, like, success and failure comes from, like, a main character complex too like as soon as we start thinking about ourselves like as the main character that's where you can fail and where Mm. you succeed and where like all of these lives all of these faith lives are like on your shoulders more so for you than for me but i what i found that was so comforting was just kind of the analogy of like being in the garden and just tending the garden and like the lord is like the ground And you just go and you ask him what work needs to be done for today. He tells you what work needs to be done. You do the work and that's it. Like you're just serving. You're just working in the garden. And it's so relieving and it's so peaceful to just be like, okay, what are my responsibilities for today? Like how can I be obedient to what the Lord has asked? And I'm not in charge of the garden. Like I'm not in charge of making sure that everything blooms and that everything works out and that it's the best garden there's ever been. Ben. It's just, what are my jobs? Like, what is my work? What is my work for today? And there's a deep piece that I found that comes with that of just being like, okay, (laughs) for seeking water, all I have to do is find a speaker and do all these little jobs and make sure that a night happens and trust that the Lord is actually the one tending the garden and it's going to be fine.
0: So, uh, a few months ago, I purchased the hottest pepper seeds in the world. <laughs> and I give some to Sister Winchie and I plant some. Uh they're Carolina Reapers. They're uh one of them is actually called uh Burning Bush and they're orange. I have them in my front yard. Oh wow. Um uh, they're cool. But and they're beautiful plants. But I will I will seed these or I will put them in soil and I'll try to sprout them. And I gave some to Sister Winchy and she sprouts them. Well mine didn't My only sprouted like maybe six inches. Hers sprouted like four four Of feet. course they did. Of yeah. course. <laughs> yeah. And for me, it was interesting because I not know, there's uh there's opportunity for like uh I feel I there's opportunity to feel like a failure. There's opportunity to say, gosh, like this didn't work. But in reality I was so pumped that hers sprouted. Hmm. Right. And she was pumped that hers sprouted and she ends up giving a plant to me, right? Wow. She ends up giving them back. She's like, "Just take them." There's an abundance of these, and so it's a really cool image of like, "Gosh, like I put, I had a desire, I put my work into this, and it didn't work, and yet somebody else, instead of like having a competition or a jealousy, somebody else uh, found success in 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 this sense, and actually just like overflowed with it, and it was a grace, and they just Toss that grace to me,
1: mm. wow, and I think that that relates to everything I mean the meekness in you of like i'm not I'm not the main character, like I'm just growing, I'm doing the thing, I'm growing my plant, um. And there's enough to go around. And I think that confidence in the fact that there's enough to go around, that there are enough seeds and that there's enough work and that there's enough grace from the father where you don't have anything to prove by the fact that your plants were so short. Like you're not like your soul isn't at like turmoil. And the fact that your plants did not grow, you're just happy for sister Winchy. And that comes from a place of like deep reliance and the abundance of the father. And I think that that's, Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's, it's,
0: it's pretty challenging. If you take it into uh, like everyday life, like people may seem like they got it all together or they may seem as if their prayer lives are good. If they're Christian or Catholic, Uh, people may seem as if they're successful, they're getting the job and the internship. And like, there's, it's almost like the part of the human condition is, to like see them and to be jealous or to want that Mm. like I to be envious and not in like a super bad way uh but like just in general like I want that I I desire that instead of like gosh like how do we celebrate you having this or you receiving this grace right there's like there's a tendency to want to grab to grasp as opposed to like have empty hands and to celebrate and to rejoice at the fact that no, like they're doing well. If they're doing well, then they're doing well. This is awesome. Or, um, their spiritual life or their prayer life is doing excellent. Or they got all these cool events that they're doing. Um, or they're participating in that's bringing them to life or they're getting the job and the internship and they're starting a family, perhaps they're dating. Dating another one. Mm. It's like, gosh, like I want to be dating or actually like, gosh, like I, can I just celebrate the fact that like they're good for each other, mm. right? As opposed to grasping or, or grabbing and um, trying to ho- trying to have it for yourself. I don't know. It's, it's almost like a, there's a freedom there, but it's not a, it's um it's not something that's natural.
1: No. And I think it, that comes from like a lie of scarcity of thinking like, there's only so much goodness in the world and like other people getting that means that there's less for me or that there's less for somebody else. Um, We're like, especially in our joy and in love and in happiness, like there's enough, there's an abundance of it. There's enough to go around. So, and it's such a relief to know that there isn't competition for joy and fulfillment. Like When one person gets that, it's so easy. I mean, I've fallen into that countless times of (laughs) seeing other people with good things and thinking, man, like I'm really lacking. I really don't have that. And I wish that I did. And there's one thing to desire, but to have like the panic of feeling like, man, I must not be enough for this. Like there must be some issue with me. Like I must be not invited to be at the table, like not feeling welcome into that joy, like with dating or with, um, success or with anything thinking that like, man, there must be a problem with me and the fact that I don't have that. Um, but that's one of the most beautiful truths of the father that there's so much that there's so much grace and there's so much love and that there is enough to go around and we're not pulling from a bucket that's finite. Um, and then like that ceases all competition and then you have nothing to prove, then there's nothing to prove. And it's just, participating in full joy because that there is an an abundance um yeah it's a powerful truth i've been actually like meditating on that for like the last like two days this is like a very current thought process (laughs) and it's mostly due um i listened to a podcast that one of the folks missionaries told me to listen to like the poco a poco podcast um and they were all talking about this like concept of meekness and this concept of abundance so like These thoughts are not my own. They've just been like floating in my head because they're just so raw and so beautiful. But it's such a powerful truth to be like, wow. I think I've always grown up with this like achieve, achieve, achieve mindset and like competition mindset and like wanting to be first and wanting to be the best. And the truth that like there's nothing that I have to fight for that like it's all given to me and that like I can just exist with empty hands and just tend the garden. Like all, if the ultimate fulfillment comes from serving the father and getting to heaven and bringing as many people as possible with us, if that's the ultimate fulfillment, then all I have to do is just show up every morning and be obedient to what the Lord asks. And like, it's not on my own shoulders. (laughs) Like it's just a powerful, powerful awakening um, that I think I've been like, grasping at learning for the last year like what does that even mean like what does it mean that i don't have to prove anything that there's i'm not living in like a competition mindset i don't have to live at a competition mindset i mean i want to go to medical school at least that's what i think i want to do um that's my hope i think that it would be awesome to be a doctor and to help people and um have the knowledge to like see somebody in pain and like know how to take them out of pain like help them um but medical school like everyone is so competitive it's so intense and for good reason I mean like it's a hard thing to do like you have to have you know really really strong foundation like you don't want to train somebody that's like not like you have to be full in for to be a doctor um but I think that there's a lot of anxiety that comes with like applying to medical schools and taking the MCAT and like wanting to prove yourself to these schools and like I am a worthy applicant of this training because of this and this and this when ultimately like if the best way I can serve the kingdom of heaven is by being a doctor then I have to be obedient to what the Lord is asking me to do right now which is doing well in my studies doing well in school and like you know being active in my community doing the things that medical school like wants to see And it's so simple because it's like, it's not something I have to prove. It's just following what the Lord wants and like being like, okay, if the Lord wants me to be a doctor, it's going to work out. Like the stones are going to lay out in front of me and I'm going to know exactly how to get there. And it's not something that I have to figure out on my own or compete and fight to get to like, yeah, I don't know. Like heaven isn't Sparta. Like, I think that's what I'm realizing. It's not like, it's not as intense as I think I've always thought it was going to be. Um,
0: What is Sparta like?
1: I mean I'm not (laughs) a pro with this history so I can't tell you like the specifics but I know that it's intense like it's like this great competition of people that are like fighting and like athletic supremacy and like um being the best of the best and like this elite form of competition um and sport that's my understanding of it I'm not a history person I'm a science person so but that's that when I was introduced to Sparta in like sixth grade, that's what I remembered. Like being like, wow, these people are intense. Like these are the best people. These people that like come in and they train super hard and they work super hard and they're the best of the best. And everyone in Europe knew that they were the best of the best. Um, I think that's powerful, and that's what my vision of the world was. Like, okay, everyone's working their butt off, and only the best actually contribute to society. And that is not the message of the Lord. Like it's not Sparta. Um, and I think that the Lord is just reframing my whole world, like reshaping the way that I see everything and it's wrecking me. Yeah, it's good.
0: <laughs> there was, I mentioned this yesterday at mass, uh, Colin and I were invited to go visit the Butzmeer. um, Practice facility, football uh, compound that's across the street. So where the UGA football practices, and their practice fields, and their uh, training weight training room, and their um, where's it locker room, and all the offices and so forth. And I mentioned how like we were overran by them in the hallway. They were running from meeting to meeting, mm. right? They're they're changing classes so to say, but they're running. Like that's how they change classes and it's interesting because right made the parallel to Christianity is like there ought to be some sort of like focus or attentiveness in the same manner where we have a goal we have a vision what is that vision however it's fascinating that the way that the disciples thought that the when Jesus came as Messiah he was going to be powerful and be just like every other leader and but the way that he shows is he stoops down and washes the disciples' feet and says, "Go and do likewise." And so, like his focus, his attention was for one thing on the passion uh, and the crucifixion and the redemption of all humanity, but um, the uh, the f- determination and the um, discipline is actually in service. It's that meekness. Right. So like give it all that you got, just like these football players, except the way that you do it is by surrendering Mm. and surrendering all that you got. And uh, giving all that you got to surrendering, giving all that you got to meekness and to being saved and to laying yourself there uh, so that God can pick you up and and uh, recreate and restore and rejuvenate and resurrect.
1: Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. It's powerful. It's a life-changing message and I think that I've heard it so many times but it hasn't ever like actually resonated with me until it became personal of like wow okay I don't have to grasp like I don't have to compete and I don't have to be the best of the best to become a saint. Like yeah I think that I've always thought that the saints were like the best Christians and and like a logistical way. Like, yes, they are. They, they, we, they went to heaven. They serve the kingdom in amazing ways. Um, but it's not, it's not like being a pro athlete. And like, it's not the same thing. It's like dedicating yourself to serving the garden and being obedient and being meek and like the holiness that comes from that. And it's not like this, like self-centered, like I'm going to become the best Christian I can be. It's just how well can I serve the kingdom it's not even it's not even how well can I serve the kingdom it's how how close can I get to the human heart of Christ and like how how intimate can I get with him in a sense of like how close can my heart be conformed to his um and that's where true holiness comes from, and that's why those people became saints because they died totally to self, which is the opposite of everything in the world about becoming the best, becoming the best is like. Becoming the best, and it's all self-centered, um, and it's wanting to beat other people and pushing other people down to get there. And becoming a saint is not that way, and it's totally opposite. Like to get there is going to be an entire reframe of the human heart and the human mind. Like it's just not even. It's just crazy. It's a lot to process.
0: The scriptural process. passage is, uh, "Be renewed," uh, yeah, is it to have your mind renewed. Uh, to be renewed, uh, have your mind renewed, have your, Scripture also uses the scales, like have the scales of your eyes fall off. Uh, But the conversion or the repentance, like these words mean like thinking differently and acting differently and Mm -hmm. seeing differently. And it's not just behaving differently. That's kind of a consequence of seeing differently. Um, But I mean, throughout Scripture, all of these healings that happen, it's like um, the encounter is that which heals and that which uh, orders and that which uh, invites someone to live this life where it's not about everything else. But there's first this encounter, there's um, this presence that is available to us.
1: Hmm. And it's a relief because it's not something that you have to accomplish. Yeah, so ultimately,
0: I mean, the good news of Christianity is that sainthood is available to everybody, the person who's working at the gas station, the person who's working at the grocery store, the custodian, the person who's working on the roof, the person who is uh, without a job, um, the person who is not dating anybody or never dates anybody, the person who uh, had everyone in their family pass away because of something or another, the person who has been hurt by others and they have to live with that hurt. The beauty of Christianity or the beauty of, of God is that there's nothing that says that you need to be different. Hmm. It's like, it's actually like the flourishing of this own person, this own situation where we find ourselves and holiness is attainable. Otherwise, um, it doesn't make any sense, right? The, we call it the universal call to holiness. Like, not everyone is meant to be a missionary or a priest or or religious or even married in in that sense. It's like, people find themselves all over the board. These are ways to become holy. These are our primary ways of becoming holy, uh, to becoming saints. But, like, in every situation, like, the beauty of Christ is that he's with us in these situations. You can, um, to the point where it's, yeah, it's about getting close to the heart of Christ.
1: And it's a journey that you know, has its ups and downs, but it also, in another sense, only goes up because you only become more confident in the Lord and in who you are with him. And like there are ups and downs in your spiritual life and there are ups and downs in like just life. But like growing in holiness and becoming more of a saint only gets better in the sense that your heart only gets more so conformed to Christ and the peace and the joy and like the love that comes from that is addictive, like, that's why I think people get, like, that's why Christianity is so hooking, like, it, like, grasps people, because it's, like, man, this is not something that I have to, like, really (laughs) accomplish, like, this isn't something that I have to work for, it's something that I can receive, and that I can be sent out with, um, and it's not something that I have to carry on my own two shoulders, it's not another commitment, it's something that rephrases the human person, and, like, re like changes the way that your heart is postured in the sense that like you're so much more confident in the lord and so much more at peace with life and like what he's doing and it's okay it's a breath of fresh air i don't know if that makes any sense there's so much there
0: could i ask about dance yeah and how any of this is relevant i mean your experience with dance your um and how, I mean, it's such a big part of you and yet it's also something that I'm sure that you've discerned and wrestled with and experienced Mm. and ups and downs and so forth.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot there. I started training. Well, I mean, I don't know that counts as training, but my mom put me in dance classes when I was two and a half years old and I trained from there all the way up until last year. Um, So I trained for a semester here in Athens um, and it's really important to me. Like it's really, it's a huge part of who I am. 16 years. Is that 16 years? 16 years. Yeah. It's a huge part of who I am. It was a big part of my identity. Hardcore. Um, I think my favorite, my favorite part of dance was, you know, telling stories and creating art that like, touched people and seeing other people be impacted by movement and by like the stories that you can tell through dance like it was just a whole nother world I had some um master classes where we would go in and you go through this whole experience of breaking down some emotional experience and like translating it through movement um and it's hard to explain but choreography yeah choreography and like sometimes it would just be like hip-hop or jazz and that's super fun but my favorite was always like contemporary and modern where like you enter into this realm of emotion and this realm of like spirituality in a sense where like that comes out through how you move and what story you're telling and sometimes it would be something very like personal where it'd be like okay um this choreography can connect to like the performer in whatever way they decide or we get a story and like there was one master class which I loved and it was cool because you get to go outside of yourself and I it was like a story about I think a mother whose son was like out drunk driving or something and like the anguish of the mother at home like knowing that her son was out was just like a story that we got to tell through this song who the lyrics kind of like connected to that story and like it was just it was powerful telling a story through movement um it's performance and I loved it and like the discipline of it and coming in and training and working hard and like becoming stronger as a dancer, seeing yourself improve being like a little girl and like seeing the older girls on company and seeing the way that they train and the stories that they told and the mastery of their art. Um, like I've heard musicians say like all about music is just like learning how to like knowing your instrument, how like when you know your instrument, that's when that master, the masterpiece can come out um, that's when you can pull your finest work. Um, and with dance, the same way, like understanding your instrument. Um, and that was all that I wanted to, it. like know how to use my instrument to tell a story to impact other people um, in the same way that I had been impacted by it. And it was cool. It was really awesome. But I think I also got lost in it many times. Um, you know, I gave a talk at Seeking Water about my problems with like an eating disorder, um later on in high school because it's it's intense it's intense you have the side of the industry that's art and it's beautiful and then you have this other side of the industry that's just elite and it's like if you want to be a rocket or if you want to go to broadway and if you want to make it well like you want to look good on stage and you want people to want you and it's just this accomplishment mindset that I think feeds into everything that we were talking about before. Um, like I never, with dance, I loved it, but I never felt like I was enough because every single day it was like, okay, this is great, but how else can you improve? Like, what's the next step? Like, okay, well first, like I have to get these muscles stronger or it was like, I have to be smaller. Like tomorrow I have to be smaller because I'm not in a good place for an audition, which, it's really hard and really toxic um and painful and it was just like it was hard and i think that i was wrapped up in it cuz my identity was wrapped up in it and so i just i couldn't drop it and so i came to athens and i didn't want to come to uga at first i really wanted to go to like new york or la but then covid hit and when covid hit i was like okay <laughs> the dance industry is maybe not where i want to put all my faith in the sense of like it really just wasn't stable um even though it was what I loved it was very much a logistical like okay the entire entertainment industry is totally shut down right now and so I can't train um so like UGA once I got in I was really excited and I decided to come here knowing that there was an outside studio um and I trained there for the whole first part of my freshman year for the fall semester and It was great it was great to be in a new studio i was on hip-hop company i also had a couple of injuries and so doing hip-hop was a lot easier on my body um like i really couldn't do a lot of ballet or contemporary anymore because i had pulled a hamstring um like two years before and it still hadn't healed because i wouldn't give myself a rest because i felt like i had to achieve something um and like i was falling behind and so i joined a hip-hop company and that was great. And it was a challenge because it was the first time that I had entered into like a contract that like was not, it was on the line of my values because I grew up at the studio that was actually Christian based, which was awesome. I mean, my foundation in the art of dance was from a very Christian perspective. And even when I was like at my lows with my training, I had teachers that like came alongside me and were like, Hey, like, we want you to succeed in this industry, but we care more about like you as a human being and like where your heart is at right now. We can see that you're suffering. And that was powerful. Um, it's not the same way <laughs> in Atlanta or in LA or New York. Like they just want a show. They just want entertainment. Um, and I realized that more now than I did then, but coming to this other studio in Athens was awesome. Like it was a really great community, but it wasn't, it wasn't Christian. Um, and that was okay. Like, I was, it was really cool to meet these people and enter into like a contract on a company with these people that were like not like me, but we all trained together and we all danced together and we had a lot of fun. Um, there were a couple of pieces where I was challenged by being given choreography. And this is like hip hop. So it's a lot more street based, really fun. I love hip hop. It's fun. Um, and, but it was choreography that I just did not feel comfortable doing on stage. It was just on, it was on the boundary, actually past the boundary for me. And so I came to my director, I think probably like two or three times throughout that semester. and was like, look, I just don't feel comfortable with this choreography. Like, I'm so sorry. Like, I know that I'm here and I know that I'm on a contract, but I it's just, I can't do that on stage. Like, I'm just not totally uncomfortable with that. And she was so good um, and so understanding Really merciful like she kept the choreography I just went off stage for that part of the dance and I was like all right um and so it was good but then I think close to Christmas of the fall semester um the Lord was really like kind of poking at me and being like what would your world look like if you didn't put all of your value in the fact that you were training Like, I was just, like, kind of my headspace was, like, okay, quarantine is basically over. We're starting to recover from COVID, I think. So hopefully I can get more involved in the industry again. Um, But right now I'll just train a little bit here in Athens so I can, like, keep going. Because I was very much still thinking, like, down the road. Like, I have to keep my training going right now because I don't want to lose the chance to, like, perform in L.A. or in New York and, like, be a part of a big artistic process. Um, I mean, like, my dream, honestly... My dream with choreography and with dance was to be able to, like, create a piece of work that, like, touched people, like I said before. But I really wanted to work with more Christian studios and more Christian artists um, and to emphasize this, this art of dance as a means to, like, translate good news and translate beautiful news um, instead of, like, just flat entertainment. <laughs> um, and so that was my goal but being at FX was good. FX was the studio that I was at. Um, it was good, but it also just wasn't really building towards that. It wasn't filling me up because I wasn't entering into like this Christian art, um, that I loved and that I missed because I just didn't have the chance to really. And I don't know, the Lord was just like poking at me and being like, what if you, what if you tried like taking a step back and seeing what your identity was outside of dance? Like, I'm a three-dimensional human, like a multi-dimensional human. Like I have so many other sides to me and so many other passions and joys outside of dance. And at that point, dance was just like exhausting. It was exhausting because like, I felt like I was falling behind still because I saw people that were starting to train in Atlanta again. Atlanta was starting to open up and I was feeling like I couldn't get there because I was taking classes and I was just doing a couple classes at FX. And I was like, how am I ever going to make it in this industry that I really desire? Um, But then realizing that like, I don't think that that was even really what I desired. It was just what I thought that I desired. And what I thought I had to do because that's what I wanted when I was a little girl. Um, And it was just this whole process of like meeting the Lord and the Lord returning me to like myself as a child. And like five-year-old MK wanted to be a professional dancer. Like that's what she wanted to do. But she also loved rock climbing and she loved going outside and she loved to paint and she loved science. Like there were so many things that five-year-old MK loved outside of dance. And just because dance was something that I did for 16 years doesn't make me who I am. Um, And so stopping my training around Christmas was one of the scariest things I think I've ever entered into because it was like a brand new adventure. It was like, okay, wow, we're taking a totally different path, not training anymore. I've been training all the time since I was like two. Um and giving that up was really exciting and it was actually really beautiful because the lord like laid out every stone for it to happen well and for it to happen um in a way that was peaceful like that was kind of in the middle of my contract for this hip-hop company um it was in december and i told my director i was like look i know i signed this contract but i can't do this anymore and i don't know why um I just told her, I was like, my spirit is pulled in a different direction. Like I'm, like I told her, like I'm faithful and like the Lord is calling me in another direction. I don't know why. I don't know if my director, my director was faithful or not, Um, but I told her this and she was really understanding and really merciful and was like, well, if you ever want to come back, we'd love to have you back. Um, And since then they've reached out to me a couple of times asking me if I ever want to come back and take classes again. Um, But I stepped away and kind of the last piece was the fact that my senior year was cut short with COVID. And at my studio, we had this like tradition every single year where the seniors on company had their solo at the very end of the year. And we didn't really do a lot of solos at my studio really at all, except for for the seniors. And ever since I was like five years old, I was like, oh, my gosh, my senior solo, that's going to be, you know, the peak of my happiness. That's when I'm going to be complete as a dancer, when I get to do my solo as a senior in high school. And I was really excited about it. But COVID stopped my season in March, like we went home. And so my senior solo just never happened, um, which was good because mentally I was not in the right place for it. Physically, I was not in the right place for it. Um, and just with my injuries and with my mindset and where I was at, it was just a really dark time. And so, and I never really mourned it because we lost so much that year as seniors. Um, I mean, everyone did, but like we didn't have a graduation. We didn't have prom. I didn't have my senior solo. Like everyone, we were all suffering altogether. Um, so I never really mourned it, but in December, um, like after training at FX for a couple of months, my director from home reaches out and she says, Hey, look for the show that we have this year for the girls that are in company. Now we have a couple of, um, costuming issues where we just can't like get these girls changed fast enough. And we need to put another piece in there. Would you like to come back and do a solo? Um, and I was just like absolutely floored because this was during the time where I was really discerning, like, is this something that I drop? And like the Lord gave me everything that I needed for my heart to like be at rest with me closing out that part of my life. Um, and so I got to go back and do a solo after, you know, a very long journey of like, in that solo, I went on stage knowing that this was like the last time I was gonna perform. And I think if I did that as a senior, it would very much would be like, okay this is one piece and I'm going to the next and like, this isn't, and I wouldn't have been happy with it afterwards. I would have been really self-critical. Like there would have been, it would have been a totally different thing if I did it as a senior in high school, but getting to go back and do it at the end of knowing that like, this is, this is the end for now. You know, like, I don't know if the Lord's going to ever call me back to that. Maybe he will. He knows I love it and he knows that I miss it. I do. I miss it a lot. Um, but getting to have that solo and be like, okay, this is it. And like getting to tell a story. Like I think that that was some of my best work as a choreographer and an artist. Like I'm really happy with how it went. Um, and I felt very peaceful and confident in who I was like on stage as I was dancing. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like, Oh my gosh, this has to be perfect. Like I've been waiting my whole life to do this solo. It has to be perfect because I felt so at peace with like who I was and like at peace with like, this is the last time I'm going to perform. And, I got to just, like, leave it on the stage and, like, finish. And it was powerful. It was powerful. And so I haven't trained since then. Like, that was it. That was the end. And the Lord's been so gentle with me nonetheless because I still had opportunities to, like, do choreography since then. Like, I haven't trained, but I've still gotten to do choreography. So, like, this past summer um, – I got to work with my best friend for like this theater company um, that was putting on this musical, and they needed choreography, and so we did it together. We got to come back and we got to create. And given that's not really my art, like it was musical theater, it was just kind of like cheesy and fun. Um, but it was so great to just create. I love creating this who I am. Like I'm an artist and I like to create. I love to create. And getting to return to that was just a gift from God) um, so what was I what was the point of this question? That was just the whole dance story right there. But <laughs> um yeah. It's cool. powerful. It's powerful. So I'm not dancing anymore. Um like I said before, if there's like ever a dance event, I'm like down. I get so excited. I mean, weddings are so fun. It's so cool to have like a skill set of like training and dance your whole life that you can have fun at like parties and weddings. And mm-hmm. you know, I've started doing swing dancing stuff here at um UGA and that's so fun getting to go and like have community and swing dance with people and learn things and just move and like have there not be any stakes tied to it not be like okay this is for new york this is for la it's just like fun it's just the joy to get to move and create and you know sometimes it's artistic other times it's just fun um but it's awesome i love it it's powerful it's my favorite Thank you for listening to the Catholic Dogs podcast. The Catholic Center is located at 1344 South Lumpkin Street. For more info on how you can get involved, check out our Instagram at Catholic Dogs. See you at Mass.